Hello and welcome to the Raptors Ration Podcast for Sports Stuff. I'm Nani the Fan. I'm your host, Wim Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lose. Once again, by a score of 119 to 106, uh, the score doesn't really matter here. Um, but the, the flow of the game was that Memphis came out. I mean, I wouldn't even say they came out strong. Like, yeah, they led 30 to 20. It's just like the Raptors just didn't ever come out. In the first half, the Raptors were down, uh, and yes, they made a spirited push to eat into the lead, but at no point did it threaten Memphis's uh, advantage. In fact, Memphis was able to coolly, calmly just bring in their starters and immediately flip the game once again, as they kind of did the whole night. Um, you know, I, I think that the overall impression, the biggest thing for me in this game was just how much Dylan Brooks was able to disrupt and bother Pascal Siakam. Um, I know that a lot of people don't like Dylan Brooks because of the fact that he likes to taunt the crowd. And obviously he feels a lot of pride in playing here in Toronto, which, you know, is, is great, honestly. Um, but I, I think you got to give him a lot of credit. Uh, defensively, I haven't seen anybody bother Pascal as much as Dylan did tonight um, in the individual matchup. And it's not like Pascal had a completely empty game. I mean, 25 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, two steals, nine of 11 shooting from the free throw line. Honestly, even field goal wise wasn't horrendous. Like eight of 19 is obviously below his average, but you know, it is not like so bad, but at the same time, I'm looking at it as just like so much of that was not against Dylan Brooks. I mean, I, I'm, there might've been like two or three instances that he scored against them at all. Um, and this is mostly Dylan Brooks with single coverage. Like it wasn't like the, the Grizzlies are bringing in a second defender and swarming Pascal and forcing him to get rid of the ball. They were bringing help at the rim, which is a, what you would do against anybody, right? Jaron Jackson, obviously around to, to block shots, Steven Adams around to block shots, you know, whatever. But um, I thought Brooks just frustrated Pascal all night. And of course, on the other end, Brooks actually did a, uh, a bit of scoring as well, had 25 points on a much more efficient basis. And um, yeah, I mean, look, the end result is that I think if Pascal's not creating advantages, because of honestly, like, and again, this is a very rare occurrence because I've seen it all season with Pascal cooking, no matter who's out there. Like I thought Pascal had more success against Kawhi and PG than he did against Dylan Brooks tonight. So I'm giving him that credit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like if, if Pascal's not creating advantages, the Raptors offense is just not going to run. Like it's just not going to run. Obviously tonight you don't have Fred VanVleet who had uh, back spasms, wasn't able to practice, so wasn't able to play. We'll see if he plays against Phoenix. I would say doubtful. Um, wasn't able to get Precious back in the lineup just yet. They're going to play him the second night of the back-to-back. Um, so that makes sense. I mean, to be honest, if you were going to bring him back, I mean, uh, you would only play him in one of the two games. So hopefully he's back tomorrow because the Raptors desperately need some physicality at center and um yeah i mean you know for the for the raptors like that's that's kind of it i mean really the one thing you can do in that scenario is okay if pascal's not generate advantages if fred's out if you know all this other stuff is happening can you at least scrap defensively and tonight it was so easy for memphis to score and you know the, the the concerning thing for me in the last two games isn't necessarily that the raptors lost because to be honest like the, memphis is a much better team than toronto uh, the Clippers are a much better team than Toronto. But when you're not even seeing them play like like at a B level, like Memphis just came in here and just did whatever they wanted, played at a B level of intensity. And 
they were able to walk away with a wire to wire win. Just kind of, just like the the Clippers. I thought. I mean, the Clippers game it was tighter, but I didn't think the Clippers were playing full throttle. I didn't think they were super locked in defensive. I didn't think they were like, wow, look at this guy making all these shots, or wow, look at this guy making all these shots. There was none of that. Like even tonight, I, I didn't think it was like anything really that the Memphis Grizzlies did. That was special, which is not to say they're not a special team. I'm saying they didn't need to hit any sort of top gear to blow away from the Raptors. Like, this was like watching, you know, a car race a bike. Like, the, the car doesn't have to go 0 to 60 and, and, like, jet off, like, on the highway or anything. The car just needs to, like, you know, n- not be in park. And 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 that's enough to, to beat the, the opponent here. And, and, and so, you know, when you see that for the Raptors, that's a clear sign that they're not showing any commitment defensively it's almost like you lost the game before you even came like what was the point of coming out to this game what was the point of you know eighteen thousand people in the arena coming out to you know watch this what was the point of you know all the players and and the coaches and everybody putting this whole event together all the staffers in in Scotiabank arena all the security all that kind of stuff like what was the point like, genuinely, what was the point? Was it to come in and watch John Morant dunk the ball a couple times? Which was cool. Like, I thought John did a good job tonight, you know, in terms of the entertainment factor. Um, but it wasn't even like he was able to get free. The Raptors, you know, sent extra guys at him. To be honest, John just kind of played a distributor role because he knows. Like, there are some games as a star, you got to really give everything to try to win that game. This is not one of those games. So John was kind of like, all right, step back. Yeah, it, it's, it's Dylan Brooks's house, right? They're probably going to go and, and, and have... Dinner on Kings King West as they did last time when the Grizzlies beat the Raptors. I think they went to uh, actually. I don't want to say where they went to. You don't need to know. But the the point is like, um, you know, it, it Jaw didn't really need to bring his A game. Like it, it was it was chill. Like it was genuinely chill. It was like let's get everyone else shots. Let's uh, you know let let let's whoever's been struggling. Let's get them some offense. Let's balance out the shot attempts. I mean, like everybody in the Grizzlies starting five had between 11 and 19 shot attempts. You know, everybody scored in double digits. This honestly felt like the way the Raptors used to play last season versus the fact that the Raptors, yeah, I mean, offensively, they weren't a threat just because Pascal wasn't able to beat his matchup and also because of the fact that, you know, no one else in the Raptors has an advantage, like nobody else. Um, OG wasn't able to really initiate much of his own scoring. Um, Kind of a very inefficient game from him, 5 of 17. Um, You know, the Raptors aren't going to knock down a bunch of threes. So that goes out the window. I mean, at one point, Gary Trent did come in the first quarter, knocked down three threes, and was like, ooh, that's good. But the Raptors only had 20 points in the first quarter, and that's despite their six-man coming in off the bench, giving you nine points in the span of, like, three minutes, and you still only have 20 points at the end of the first quarter. When you see all that, you don't really have to give your best effort. Like, it was so easy for Memphis to sort of just push the Raptors aside. And, yeah, I mean, to me, I'm like, look, this... Okay, so Pascal's not going to dominate his matchup every single night. Like, you really can't expect that every single night, right? You really can't, especially when there's teams out there with shot blocking, with multiple shot blockers. Like, forget just one guy blocking your shot. Steven Adams might come over. Jaron Jackson might come over. I even saw John Morant come over and block a shot at the rim tonight. Like, there's legitimate lane intimidation. Plus, they have a really, really strong Really pesky, honestly, one of the most annoying dudes in the league. And I mean that as a compliment, once again, to Dylan, because I, I was so impressed by him tonight. Nothing but respect, honestly. You know, even all the trash talk and other stuff, who cares? Like, he, he came out, he competed, he was a dog. I wish the Raptors had someone like Dylan Brooks. But when Pascal's not dominating this matchup, and I would say Pascal had, a, like, a below-average game. Like, it's pretty clear that he had a below-average game. Even defensively, I thought he was giving up a couple of chances. Like, there was a play where 
Jaron Jackson got wide open on a duck in and Pascal didn't bump him. He got to a spot, you know, caught it pretty deep in the paint. And it's like, okay, at that point, what do you want Pascal to do? The guy's bigger than him. He scored. The thing is, you got to bump him earlier before he is able to duck in and get such great position, but then do that. And then the next play down, Jaron Jackson was able to run all the way down the floor in transition and Pascal wasn't able to get back. And, you know, that's his man. And, and he scores a layup like stuff like that, where it's like defensively, he wasn't you know, as good as he needed to be, or like he didn't have his hand up when um, Zaire Williams was on the three-point line. And it, there's like one thing that guy can do is, is knock down threes. So, you know, stuff like that defensively, I think the Raptors could have brought a lot more to this game. However, it's like, he's not excellent, but he's at least competing. That's the thing with Pascal. You got to give him credit. He's competing no matter what the circumstances. Okay. You know what? It's a 20 point, you know, deficit i'm gonna come in and i'm gonna still try to attack and and there was no let up in pascal in fact i thought he actually turned his defense around at certain points there where he had a play where he broke up a two-on-one fast break for the grizzlies where the grizzlies tried to throw a lob pascal played it perfectly caught the pass in between and then took it the length of the floor beat three defenders and got to the rim for an and one like that's the kind of stuff where you know Pascal is going to stay engaged he's going to compete even if it's an uphill battle even if there's no chance you're going to win this game he's competing and to me, I'm just like, where is that hunger and the desperation from the rest of the guys? Like, listen, if Pascal's not creating offensively, that's a rarity. But the thing is, like, he's still going to be active and he's still going to bring whatever he can to the game. I can't really say that for some of the other guys on the team. Like, if, if like at the minimum, you would expect for guys who are limited offensively to come in and just give it their all defensively. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying, like, they got to, like, all be Ben Wallace out there, just like at least be committed defensively, right? Like whoever's coming into the game, just come in and guard, like guard, like your life depends on it. And to be honest, your livelihood does depend on it. a lot of these guys. Like they're on the fringes of the NBA. You don't guard. You don't, you don't really have that much scoring talent anyway. Why would you be in the league for much longer? Right? You got to come in and guard and, and, and the whole team has to come in and buy into the concept and box out and fight people. And and to be honest, we saw that only in stretches. Only in the at, at the end of the third quarter, at the start of the fourth quarter, did the Raptors really show you that that fight. And that's when when you know, I tweeted this at halftime that it's 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 sad to see the Raptors folding this easily. They should be better than this. And a lot of people, there's a lot of mentions. You could literally go to that tweet. You could look for 30, 40 replies that all say, no, the Raptors actually suck. They're not better than this. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say quality-wise Raptors are better than this. I'm saying any professional team in any context playing any sport, forget professional. I would expect this out of my score FC soccer run i expect this out of like the raps republic three on three run you got to come in and just compete right at the minimum because otherwise what else is the point of sports right come in and compete and the raptors finally scrapped at the end of that third quarter start of the fourth quarter and they made a bit of a push that's why you see some of the bench guys with plus is in in their in their uh in their stat line you know what uh jeff downton plus eight malachi plus five chris boucher plus ten because these guys were able to really scrap and actually make a bit of a comeback push and fight against it. And was that ever going to be enough to flip the game for, you know, no, right? Of course not, because Memphis was eventually going to bring in their, their guys and then their top guns have another two levels to get to. You were never going to win this game, but at least you wouldn't even be in that position in the first place if the Raptors played that hard in the first half instead of giving up chances. I mean, and and look, and, and I think Chris Boucher is, is a great example of this, right? So so Nick Nurse says, you know, essentially calls him out again. I mean, to be honest, it was kind of a throwaway comment, but a very flippant comment, right? Um, at practice yesterday, they were asking him about some question about, uh, 
you know, is Precious Achua going to come back and, and help Chris Boucher settle in a little bit because of the fact that Precious and Chris played really well in tandem last year, right? To the fact, to the point where they're, they're, they've got each, WWE nicknames for each other. I don't know. I don't really watch that stuff. But um, that was a, just just a regular question, right? And then Nick kind of flipped that in terms, no, nah, just, Chris just got to play better. I don't know what else to say. He just got to play better. And listen, he's blunt. And to be honest, he might not necessarily need to take that approach, but it's not like there's no substance in that approach because of the fact that you have Chris Boucher making plays like he did in the first half where he throws up a three, misses it, which is fine. Honestly, I don't even mind. I actually like the Raptors taking threes because at least somebody's got to shoot the three. And Chris just made the last one. Make the next one, right? Take the next shot. He misses the shot, which is not the problem. The, sh- the problem is he's now and then not getting back. And Steven Adams, of all people, Steven Adams are is running down the floor for a wide open dunk in transition. Now, it's not just Chris Boucher. Although that is his man, like other guys could have maybe got in there, but like we're talking about Steven Adams. We're not talking about like, oh man, Desmond Bain shot out of a can and goes in for the transition play. I'm, I wouldn't blame anybody for that. Honestly, that sometimes it's hard. John Morant streaks down the floor. He's like the most athletic guy in the league. Wouldn't blame anybody for that. But Steven Adams beat everyone down the floor. Are you for real? Right? Like what? That's, that's not how the game is played, right? You do do that. You should offer a refund to the whole arena because no one came out to see that. That's the type of effort that you can't see. And so Nick, what does he do immediately? Calls timeout, took Chris out of the game. And I'm not saying this is just on Chris. Everybody on the roster had some kind of lazy play like that. Okay. So again, this is not just on Chris, right? You can even look at OG Anobi, your best defender, guys that we push. Oh, you know, one of the best defenders in the league. Gotta be in the conversation with defensive player of the year. I don't know. I saw him, I saw him getting back cut by Desmond Bain, who wasn't even having a good game for layups. Right. So, again, this is top down, everybody. But the point is, and the reason I'm using Chris is because he was, you know, name dropped by Nick. Takes Chris out of the game and doesn't play in the rest of the first half. However, this game is so dire, they got to put him back into the game. And to be honest, what do you want to see other than just a response from Chris? And then what do you see in the second half? Chris Boucher on the offensive glass over and over and over again. Three putbacks tonight. Right. Getting into the you know uh, spots where he's able to cut behind the defense, catch the pass, maybe finish the play, maybe not, but get to the free throw line, right? Scrapping defensively, getting you know being active, causing a couple deflections, and that's how Chris Boucher ends up being one of the bigger components to the comeback. Even though he was also guilty of what made the Raptors go in the hole in the first place, but that's the whole team. The whole team didn't really compete and lock in defensively in the first half. They dug themselves too big of a big of a hole, and then when they try to desperately fight out of it. It's done. It's out. It, 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 it's it's no longer, you know, within reach. And listen, it's not like the Grizzlies came in and dominated. I don't want to look at this game and people be like, well, you know, I mean, you look at the Raptors record. You look at Memphis's record and, you know, they just played better. No, like, no, they didn't even play that well. That's the thing. That's the real issue. They didn't play that well and the Raptors just got destroyed. They weren't even in the game. And, and to me, that's a real issue. You got to come out at a... Bare minimum, you got to come out and play some defense. At bare minimum, I can understand Wancho missing wide open threes. I can understand Malachi missing wide open threes. You know, thanks for the interview. But, like, all that kind of stuff, it's it's cool. But play defense. Like, the full 48 minutes, commit to that defensive end. Fight like they fought. And listen, if you fight like that and Memphis beats you anyway, which they very well could have been because of how much talent they have on our roster, then Whatever. But I wouldn't be here like complaining. Fans wouldn't be going home wondering, wow, wow, that's what the Raptors are all about, huh? Like, do we not have standards? Like, do we not have any standards? 
right? Defensively, are there not standards on this team? To me, it's just like, you can't just let teams come in day after day after day and score 120 in your building, right? So to me, that, that's where the game started and ended for me. I, I, you know, I, this, is, this is the reason why I would get upset about a game like this. Look, tonight, I didn't even go to the game. I could have chosen to go to the game. I chose not to, okay? I'm like, look, I, this is a back-to-back. I'm going to love myself. I'll go to one of these games. If the Raptors are hot, I go to both. And you know I love the team. But at the same time, dude, like, I don't trust them to come out and actually give that kind of fight. And listen, even with the starting group, I mean, look, Nick tried to lean defensive with the starting group, right? Because he could have easily looked at it like, okay, Fred's out. Okay, I can promote Gary to the starting lineup. You know what? Uh, And keep it the same. Instead, he's like, no. I'm going to try to play defense. I'm going to put Christian Coloco in the starting lineup. I'm going to put Wancho in the starting lineup. Those guys guard for me. And then they come out and do nothing, right? And then offensively, obviously, that stunts them because Christian doesn't do much. You know, uh, he's basically just an invitation for an opposing big to just camp out in the lane and, and, and snuff out every drive where OG maybe beats his man and gets to the rim. Well, guess what? Christian's guy's not guarding him, so boom, there is a shot blocker right there. Or Pascal beats his guy, maybe gets to the rim, and then guess what? There's the guy, the Christian's guy is there, right? So that's an issue. And then Wancho's wide open for three. He can't knock it down. And so he doesn't play again. So, you know, instead of that, you see Nick Nurse making subs. Like, I look, honestly, I got no issues with the way Nick managed the game tonight. To be honest, it's just like, how do you even manage a game where the goal is just to get your guys to play hard? Right? Like, Eight minutes in, Nick Nurse already makes two subs, putting in Malachi and Gary in, completely flipping the script and takes takes out Wancho on Christian. Now, Gary's able to knock down shots for you, but Malachi wasn't. But listen, Malachi's been hot all season, so this is a bit of an off night. I actually kind of appreciated the, the way Malachi played because outside of one or two shots here or there, was pretty aggressive with the shot. Just didn't drop, okay? Just honestly, it happens. Right, it, it happens, right? But at least I respect the fact that he came in and was aggressive, even when he wasn't hitting, still shooting. I admire that. I really do. Like, it's probably not great for the team, but it's all, not great for the team contextually. If there are other great shooters on the team and he's taking their shot and looking for his confidence, then I'm like, okay, what are you doing? You got to swing the ball. But if nobody on the team outside of Gary can shoot, then yeah. Keep shooting, Malachi. I, at least I trust the percentages. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for him, but that's the way Nick Nurse managed it. Eight minutes in, he already flipped in the starting lineup. And then to start the second half, he flips the starting lineup again. Now it is Malachi. I'm sorry, it's Gary and Kim starting in place of Wancho and Christian. So this is more the offensive group as compared to the defensive group because the defensive group wasn't even coming out and giving you energy. But then guess what? You put in this, right? And this is a point that I didn't fully get to in the last reaction podcast, but a lot of people were asking like, hey, why didn't you put in Ken Birch to come in and provide some physicality against Ivica Zubac? Well, first off, Zubac is way bigger than Ken Birch, but I get it, okay? Ken Birch might be your, probably your most physical big. Well, guess what? You put in Ken Birch in the game. Now the other team's like, oh, I know exactly what to do. I'm going to attack him and pick and roll. Ken Birch has not been good in pick-and-roll defense in the last two years. Maybe three years. Maybe beyond that. I didn't watch a lot of Orlando Magic game. I can't tell you that much. But to be honest, the last two years, whenever Ken Birch is in the game, 
the pick and roll defense really suffers because he can't come out to the level of the screen. The Raptors really want to pressure the ball, which means usually a lot of the times, unless the guards navigate or the wings on the perimeter navigate the screen perfectly, they're probably going to be a little bit step behind or maybe they're trapped behind on a, on a kind of one, you know, when they snake the pick and roll, that kind of stuff. And you really need your big to sort of step up and, and be able to contest and be in the play. And what happens immediately? John Morant gets free twice in a row for off hive screens. This is like literally within the first minute of the of the second half after Kem comes in. And he is going in for floater after floater after floater, wide open, because Kem's not able to step up and contest a shot. Now, of course, there was physicality in the sense that, yeah, he's probably, you know, giving up more resistance to Steven Adams than than someone else might have. But that's the whole idea, right? Like you now no longer have any viable pick and roll coverage and you can't really switch with a guy because what would it even look like if you allowed Ken Birch to switch on to John Moran? Like that would literally be medical malpractice given the state of his knee the last couple of years. So that, that, that's why, right? That, that's why Ken Birch is not an op- perfect option here, but at the same time, it's like, what, what, what do you really do? While Nick Nurse starts to get creative, goes for the box and one, especially against the Grizzly second unit, it worked pretty well. They cut the point, you know, they had a seven, nothing run. All things are good. But, you know, I just think to me, it's just like watching the game. There's just so many strange inconsistencies. It's like, okay, I can accept that Pascal couldn't really dominate his matchup and just have like an okay game tonight. I can accept that OG tried to attack the rim, but with a lot of shot blocking around, wasn't able to score very efficiently. You know what? But, you know, okay, right? I can accept off nights from guys who are really competing the whole season and they just haven't really gotten enough help. I get that. To be honest, Pascal and OG need to help themselves tonight. They could have played a lot better. But that's that's one thing. But to me, it's just like the, all the other extra stuff, like guys coming in and, and, and not really providing the energy. You're like, I just want like a no-nonsense kind of group around them, right? Like Jeff Downton, for example, classic no-nonsense, comes into the game, pressures the ball, forces a turnover, you know, tries to get downhill and attacks, right? And and I, I liked it, you know? like it, He played like a guy who's like, you know what? I'm on a two-way deal. I've, I've been on the cusp of making the NBA, but I'm not fully in it right now back-to-back years i've been in you know milwaukee i've been in orlando i've been in golden state now i'm here in toronto this is probably my best chance to get in there when i get the minutes you know sometimes i get called up from from the 905 like the 905 were playing at the same time as the raptors you know but jeff was here right okay good cool sometimes that's happened and he's not even playing so he's literally missing games for no reason so when he finally gets in the game what does he show hunger desire pressuring the ball full court all that stuff is good but then you start to see stuff that's just like, okay, do we really need this and that, right? Like, do we really need, for example, the Raptors are full court pressing and there's four Raptors in the front court. I don't care what kind of defense you're pressuring or what kind of advantage you're playing. Four guys in the front court? Like, you're literally saying, like, that's like playing four and five on offense. Or like, I mean, honestly, the Raptors play four and five on offense all that much. I don't know why I said that with such incredulity. But like, that's like playing like a cherry picking on, on offense, <laughs> just setting a guy in the room. That might be a better offense strategy, honestly. But like four guys in the front court for a press. And I'm not saying that like Nick's asking them, hey, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Four guys in the front court. I'm saying execution wise, you got to be smarter about some of that stuff, right? But ultimately, like, you know, guys are scrapping. They're, they're competing. I thought it kind of took some of the wind out of the Raptors' sails in the second half when Scotty Barnes drove hard to the rim. Um, I'm, honestly, I watched the replay. I watched it happen, you know, obviously as it happened. Um, I didn't even – I didn't see what the specific contact was. So I would love to – if someone else had a better angle at it, please let me know. I would really love to see it. But it was a strange play because Scotty took a hard to the basket. And whatever, there's there's a shot contest in there, right? But the refs didn't even call a foul. I, I, to be honest, I didn't even really see the contact. So I, I can't say if it was a foul or not. But Scotty 
lands, you know, with the ball, and the, the play is still live, right? The, the action is still live. There was no call, so the play's not stopped. And Scotty like walks directly under the Raptors stanchion, like not to the bench, like to the stanchion, right, and right, right underneath the basket. Walks past the first three rows of courtside seats, and then turns right and goes down the tunnel. And this is all during live action. And I'm thinking, man, this must have been like a horrendous, like something bad must have really happened, right? Like that's really the only time you really see something like that happen. Now, it was strange to me because it was actually the Raptors, uh, like one of the trainers went down with them. It wasn't like Scott McCullough. I, I, I didn't see it. Like, again, if I was in the arena, I would have probably had a better look at this. And so this is where I do regret not going. But like. You know, it wasn't Scott McCullough who usually rushes out with them or, or, or Alex McKechnie runs out with them. It was it was actually the the, the, the trainer. Now, and I was like, okay, what's going to happen? But he went straight to the tunnel. Like, within a minute, he's already back out, and he's yelling at the referee, presumably at the fact that he got hit in the face uh, and, and, and missed a call. But he's he's back on the bench a minute later, yelling at the ref. Didn't get a tech. You know, honestly, sometimes you, you'd like that as to see that, right? If the ref misses a call... You got to allow the player to like let out the frustration and then just keep the game moving, right? It's not really disrupting the game. Fine. You know what? That's actually decent refereeing in terms of as a response to that play. And again, I don't know if there was a foul on the play because I didn't really see one on the replay. But again, I didn't see where the contact happened. So that I can't fully judge that. But then Scotty's back into the game, the next stoppage in play, and he's coming in and guarding Steven Adams. And I was so confused because the reaction to the play, the response to the play, and then coming back into the play and with all within the span of like three, four minutes was just like, well, I mean, to be honest, a, a bit of a roller coaster of emotions, right? Because you're a fan, you're watching this game. You're like, okay, the last thing you want to see is someone get hurt. And then he goes in the tunnel, comes right back in, you know, the, the procedure, everything was a little strange. And then he's back into the game and to give Scotty some credit, played much more aggressively because the one part that I didn't even talk about was just the fact that. This was a big game for Scotty in the sense that it's point Scotty time, right? Right. Fred's out of the lineup. Um, someone's got to trust to be trusted to play point. And Nick Nurse says, you know what? I'm going to trust Scotty, right? Because look, you look at the starting lineup. Who's a point guard? Pascal Siakam, Juancho Hernan Gomez, OJ Anobi, Scotty Martz, Christian Coloco. Clearly, Scotty's your point guard. Now, Pascal's your point forward. He's going to create. Oh, just going to have the ball a little bit as well. But Scotty's your point guard. He's bringing the ball up half. And, and what can you generate? What can you create? And this is the thing. For me, we've seen Scotty in two roles so far. We've seen him as the point guard trying to attack and break down the defense. And then we have seen him as the center screening for the ball, catching the ball on the on the move. Guys are driving and dumping. And then he's he's there under the dunker spot finishing attempts. And to of late, we have seen a lot more of the latter of Scotty at center. And Scotty at center has been very productive. He's getting on the offensive glass. He's finishing a lot of plays. I've, I've had no issues with that. No one should have any issues with that. He's actually been very productive in that role. Today, it was a back to that point role. And when you look at the final box score, you might say, well, what, what do you mean? He had, he, had, he had 10 rebounds. He had seven offensive, you know, 14 points. Like, what's the issue? When he was running the point, there were no advantages generated. There was, he wasn't really breaking guys down and, and, and getting to the spots that he that it puts the defense into jail and they got to rotate. They got to overcommit like the way the Raptors do. And then Scotty's able to pick out the guys. I have no, if Scotty can do that, if Scotty can get that initial advantage, I trust him with the vision because he's a very good passer. You know, I, I see a lot on the perimeter where he's like dribbling and then throws a cross court pass. I think it's starting to even get into the scouting reports here because he tried one of those tonight and it was completely picked off. But like he, he has been doing a decent job of essentially switching the play. 
right? To, to you know, this is like Andy Robertson switching the play to Trent Alexander-Arnold. I'm sorry, I, I, Liverpool is the, the, the team in red right now that I'm excited about. But um, like I see some of that, like switching the play on the perimeter. But what I don't see consistently is like Scotty beating his man or like Scotty uh, getting a screen on the perimeter and then using that screen to, again, beat his man, create an advantage and get downhill, pressure the defense for some rotations and then ping, 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 get all the passes out or for him to score, right? You don't see that a lot. However, you do see him being much more effective when he is setting the screen, catching the ball in the dunker spot and finishing plays around the basket. He might be the Raptors' best finisher around the hoop because he's so strong. And I love to see that, the fact that, okay, so there was that play where he leaves the game and then he goes into the tunnel while the play is happening, comes back in after 30 seconds or after a minute. He's then back into the game after the next timeout. And then after that, what's the response? Is he going to be shy to go back in the paint? And the answer is no. He was in the paint quite a bit. In fact, because he was the center in that spot, he had to be in the paint. And I love seeing the fact that he's in there getting the offensive rebounds, challenging Steven Adams, going to the basket. And it's like, if they had that for the consistency or the balance of the game, that might have changed things a little bit, right? I don't know if I would have changed it to win this game. But at the same time, I think it probably would have made it more competitive. And I like that look. That was a big part of the comeback where Scotty had three uh, layups in that comeback push. And by that comeback push, I mean like they cut it down to like nine points or something from like 20. It's like, okay, all right, it's, it's a comeback. But, you know, still, like, I think the Grizzlies had it. But at least they were more competitive in that look. So to me, it's like, it's pretty clear. If the Raptors want to compete this year, put Scotty in the center spot, get him to screen for the ball, Get him to maybe catch the ball one-on-one against the center in the middle of the floor. But like the stuff where he's dribbling on the perimeter and he's trying to attack, it just doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. Like it's actually very easy for the Grizzlies to defend him because he's not shaking guys with the handle and he's not making them respect the jumper. So on a fundamental level, what advantage is there to create? It's not like he's like that quick. He's not like a John Wall as, as a, you know, when he was in his prime in Washington or like Russell Westbrook where guys sag off and they still attack that gap and they're able to, to score. He doesn't have that kind of quickness either. The advantage that he has is that he's strong and, and big and in, in, in the middle of the floor. And so, you know, you're able to sort of put him closer to the basket, less dribbling, less handling, more finishing. You know, he could do really well in that role. And I thought second half, he played that role. So first half, he wasn't able to, and that kind of really put one another bind on the Raptors offense. And listen, this is one of those things where people might say, well, look, you know, that's not fair to Scotty. If you just put all the shooters around him, he'd look better. You can say that about literally anybody in the NBA, right? And I'm not saying that that wouldn't help him. But the point is, the 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 big point forward or the big point guard with shooters lineup, the big point guard still has to be, create advantages, right? Like the, the looks that you're comparing that to is like a Luca uh, with, with Dallas or the idea of what it is supposed to be. Or obviously Luca's with Dallas this year is not as competitive as sort of, you know, he really should be. But the idea is you have a big point or like LeBron with shooters, right? Going back to the LeBronto days, right? That's exactly what happened. Well, guess what? LeBron and Luka beat their man every single time and put them in jail, force a second defender, and then you start rotating and do the three-point shooting stuff, right? You still need to create that advantage in the first place. So that's where the, if it's, if, if, and, and this is where the Raptors got to decide. If the idea is to develop this season, and by develop, I mean, don't care about the results. You lose this game 50 more times this season, and you have... Well, I mean, nobody boos them in the arena, but honestly, probably people would start to boo if they do this every single game. Um, but, it, you know, if if the goal is to develop, 
right? Then, and the goal is to develop Scotty specifically into one of those, you know, dominant perimeter wing players. Then, yeah, maybe you give him that chance to like handle the ball every single time and you live with some empty games. You live with some games where he's like two of 15. You live with some games where you, you, you live with the fact that you're probably going to lose every single game uh, outside of some occasional ones here or there. And honestly, the league is very balanced this year. So there's not a lot of easy wins. So like you probably will lose a lot of those games. But I, the idea is that those reps eventually turn into something in years down the line. To me personally, I, and, the way, and, and the way the Raptors have done it, people don't develop so much in the game. You develop first off the court, as in like in the offseason, in practices. You put in that kind of work where you come in, and then next game you have the opportunity to, to like, you know, show that in game. And to be honest, that, that's how I would like to see it. Okay, personally as well. And and I'm just telling you, that's how the Raptors have generally held it with Pascal or OG or whoever else, DeMar or everyone else, right? Um, but if, if you wanted to just develop in that way, then yeah, you, you play more games like this tonight in the first half where Scotty's the point guard. If you want to compete, you got to put him at center or put him in that front court so that he can be involved in the game more. He can be more contributing in, in, in that end. He can, you know... Just, just be involved, be around the basket, contest a little bit more. I mean, defensively, I thought him on the perimeter was actually fine. I didn't think it was much of an issue there. I think that's one of the benefits with Scotty is that you can kind of guard him one through five, and so he can switch around. And, and that part's helpful. Um, so I think this is more about offensively. But if you want to give him a role offensively, that's the role. And to be honest, the Raptors arrived at this conclusion last year, right? Some You think back to some of Scotty's best games last year. It's like the 31 and 17 against the Lakers, where he's like scoring five or six hook shots and grabbing tons of rebounds and pushing on the break. And the point guard stuff on the break, no issues. I thought Scotty's very good in the open floor. But the thing is, like, in, in the half court, how do you sort of use him? To be honest, this is how you use him. But again, that's more of a win-now thing versus a development thing. And that's one of the big, big, big push-and-pull factors on the season. Another push and pull factor on the season is that, okay, so the Raptors make this like firm push. They scrap, they fight, they got all these bench guys out there. And then Memphis is like, all right, fine, fine, fine. All right. We were just going to just call it a night, but you, you made us do it. You've cut it down to single digits and like seven minutes left. Let's bring in the starters. Let's actually finish this thing. And so the Raptors are like, okay, now we got to bring in our guys. And then the comeback never fully happens. Now, some of that is just guys didn't make shots. Some of that is some other things happened. But to me, the most demoralizing part about that comeback is it was stopped short because even though the Raptors are still getting stops against Memphis, as in Memphis was missing the shot, they couldn't fully complete the stop because they had either OG Ananobi or Steven Adams or, 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 or Pascal Siakam wrestling Steven Adams. Steven Adams is like a literal, like, real-life Hulk, okay? I, I guess, like, I don't really do the Marvel stuff. I've seen some people do the Aquaman thing. Like, let's just say, essentially, you're boxing out a guy who's seven feet tall, super strong, and as good as OG is, as good as Pascal, these guys scrap. Literally, Steven Adams is just, like, picking them up, throwing them aside, and getting the rebound with the other hand. Like, it, it's it's that kind of level where it's the Raptors had opportunities there where they could have got they, they got the initial miss, but they just can't rip down the rebound because they're physically on unable to do that. They're, they're not able to wrestle Steven Adams out of there. And that's where it's just like when you're watching this product, you're like, damn, like, is this going to be night after night? Is this going to is this for real? Like if, if any seven footer puts any effort towards the glass, they're just going to get it. Because we're going to have to sacrifice OJ Anobi, who's our best perimeter defender. We've got to have him guard center. And, and not just any center. 
Like, it's not like, oh, he's got to play center against Clint Capella, or he's got to play center against, like, I don't, I don't know, name, name some random centers, like Larry Nance or something like that. We're asking him to play center against Steven Adams, who's like looks like a professional wrestler. Right? You're having OG Ananobi wrestle with the great Khali. Like, what are you doing? Right? You got Pascal Siakam fighting Kane in the paint. Like, what are you doing? Okay? You're just not going to win that battle. And guess what? The Raptors didn't win that battle. They lose 119 and 106. Lots of problems. Lots of things. To be honest, it's an uphill battle the whole way. I don't know why I said on the show that the Raptors, you know, have played Memphis really well of late. I mean, it's true, but at the same time, you know, the, the fight and the compete is just quite a questionable night to night. And that's the biggest thing to me. More than anything else, more than the center thing, just just compete every single game. Like, there's the lock in defensive every single game. Don't let missed shots lead to you collapsing the defensive end. That's a big, big lesson for this team. They got to get over that hump, first and foremost. Their defense cannot be in question. Like, I, I'm, I'm their, their defense tonight was so bad that, well, so bad at times that it was, like, literally worse than the league level. I think at other times they were able to scrap and compete in four stops. And you see the ability that they have. Now, the point is to just actually, like, take that ability and turn it into reality on a consistent basis for longer stretches. Like, I'm talking about, like, I'm not maybe I'm not maybe trying to say play desperation defense for, like, 30 minutes a night because that's not realistic. But at least be solid for the, you know, for, for, for half the game and then play that high intensity for the other half of the game. Right now, the high intensity comes out for 10 minutes. They make a little comeback and then it, it dies off, right? So the defense has to be a lot better. Right. Offensively, it is what it is. Right. If Pascal can't cook his matchup, you're going to struggle offensively. Right. But your defense has to at least give you a chance, which it didn't happen. And then on top of that, it's just the personnel. Like, come on. Like, again, in no world should OG Anobi be wrestling Steven Adams or Pascal Siak on the first time of back to back. Guess who's coming in tomorrow? DeAndre Aiden. And I'm not even saying that like Steven Adams and DeAndre Aiden, like some of the best centers in the NBA. Although, by the way, they'd be some damn good centers on the Raptors. But, you know, I'm not even saying that, but it's just like, is every single center going to come in and just kill us? If they really have a mind to it, they're going to just going to kill us, right? Like, okay, Joel Embiid didn't really fully kill the Raptors, but even he obviously uh, in a half hearted effort can still put up like 30 and 15 against the Raptors. Like it's just night after night. It's just, it, it sucks to watch, man. It sucks to watch. Like we need a real center in there. Not, not Ken Burge, who's going to get attacked and exploited in a pick and roll. Not not Christian Coloco, who was obviously too young for this role, although he did get some nice blocks tonight. I actually thought he was okay defensively. The defense looked maybe less, I don't know if better is a specific word, but at least Christian was able to get you some stops. Um, but I, and we know he's not the answer there. They didn't even use Thad Young at all. Like, we, we got to get some help on that front, man. We just, we have to. We have to. Like, we, otherwise, we're going to watch this product all, all season. And I don't think anyone really wants that, right? And... Yeah, it is what it is. Your three stars from tonight's game. Um, whew. Uh, Gary, Gary, Gary's your first star. Came in and knocked down some threes. I mean, it's funny because you watch Gary. He's he's your leading score. He's your second leading score with twenty points. He's he's able to knock down five threes for you. That's half your team's total. And you watch Gary come into the game. And I'm not saying Gary's like like on like this every single game, but it's funny seeing Gary being dragged, like literally publicly dragged. And saying like you got to fit in, or or, or, or we got to see if he fits us or not. All right, otherwise, you know, whatever. And it's just like, oh, okay. Why would you just say that publicly? And second of all, 
what do you mean fit you? Like, it, does he not fit you because he can knock down some threes and that you don't really question the fact that he's competing? Now, sometimes defensively, he gambles a lot and he, he veers too far in that direction. He's got to show more consistency on that end. But I don't look at Gary as a guy who fits or doesn't fit the Raptors. I could I look at Gary as a guy who actually brings a unique skill set to the Raptors. And tonight he was able to knock down threes. He was able to generate his own offense. I mean, Gary might have knocked down more jump shots than the rest of the team combined. Honestly, like it, it was like that. Okay. Um, so yeah, Gary's your, your first star, your second star. I mean, Jeff Dalton, I'm gonna give Jeff Dalton the second star. Wow. Okay. This is dire. Um, yeah. Six points, two rebounds, two assists, uh, a steal. I, I mean, there's no, there's no specific reason to like fully, fully say that like, you know, Nick should be playing Jeff down on a consistent basis every single night just because of the fact that he's obviously giving that chance to Malachi right now. He's obviously got Fred. He's got Gary. A three-man guard rotation is actually decent. Like, if you want to play four, okay, I get it. But to me, at least Jeff down comes into the game and he, he's competed, right? He plays with that hunger. He's, he's defended well. And hopefully when he gets more chances, he can continue to do that. that that's, that's my hope, okay? Um, and then your third star, uh, whew, man, um... Second half of Chris Boucher. Can I, can I give a half star? Like, just, just the second half of Chris Boucher. I thought he responded really well to Nick take him out of the game. Came back in, played his role. 13 points, 7 rebounds, you know, 22 minutes. Yeah, I'm, I'm reaching here, but second half of Chris Boucher. Yeah, your Gerald Henderson award winner. Obviously, that's got to go to Dylan Brooks. Not only did he really lock up Pascal and frustrate him to the point where Pascal, who's been so even keel all season, ended up pushing Dylan Brooks and taking attack. Um, but Dylan Brooks also had 25 points. And was really knocking them down and just yelling at the crowd. You know, honestly, I respect that. I res- I mean, I don't respect that in the sense that, like, I want to see that as a Raptor fan. Obviously, that hurts me. But I respect to compete. I respect that energy. You know? And, yeah. What can you really say? Like, you really want to shut up Dylan Brooks? Pascal got to start, like, actually beating him a couple of times down the floor and putting him in foul trouble, taking him out the game. Like, like none of that stuff. Dylan Brooks dominated that matchup so you got to take your hats off to him because honestly pascal's played so well this season i haven't seen anybody give him the problems that dylan brooks gave him tonight so you gotta give him respect on that front and he scored a lot so yeah what can you say this might really be his house so anyway that does it with the reaction podcast thanks everyone for listening uh if you haven't already go check out our interview with malachi flynn we're able to uh deliver that on the raptor show on thursday so you can listen to that episode um it's more positive than this react pod. I mean, look, listen, the react pod is kind of the, the, the it's, 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 you know, of the moment, right? It, it's, uh, obviously the day after when it's 2 PM is chill. It's a different vibe. Um, but you know what, this is, if you want a more positive outlook, I think Thursday's Raptor show episode was a lot more positive than the react pod. But then again, this was before the Raptors were completely un- uncompetitive against another opponent. So, it is what it is. Thanks everyone for listening. React, uh, rate, review, subscribe. And uh, yeah, I'll be back with another React pod literally tomorrow. Hopefully they show up against uh, uh, Phoenix. 